Great, I'm Carl. If we haven't met before, I show up during controversial moments. And, well, it's time to wrap this series up. Because, well, we've had a great time, but Tammy, it's time. We've had 14 weeks together uh, to learn the overview of the Bible. And if you haven't been listening, you could just watch online if you want to. But we're wrapping this thing up. And I'm just here to say that sometimes there are controversial things that we run across and we need to remain in relationship when we, when we have those controversial moments. We can't be afraid of controversy. We can't be afraid of hard questions. We can't be even be afraid of doubting God sometimes. And so thanks for letting me be a part of this series, Tammy. It's been great. <laughs> We've really enjoyed Carl, huh? <laughs> we had to bring him back one more time. Hopefully we will see him again at some point. So good morning, church family. For those of you who have been taking notes, I wanted you to know there are not notes today, so you did not miss them. But I wanted to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, to get a folder or a binder and gather them all together so that that can be a good reference for you moving forward in all of this. We hope you refer back to them and keep learning from them. Also, there is no live polling today. I'm sorry, because that has been super fun. But I wanted to encourage you also to go back to the website under the Digging Deeper tab, there is a Bible quiz, and some of you took that in the beginning, and I want to encourage you to take it again now, because hopefully you've learned something, and hopefully you know more, so you can see what you now know, and what you still need to know, and want to learn and grow in, and if you have not taken it, do it for the same reasons, to see what you know, and where you want to grow. If you are new to this series, uh, 14 weeks ago, we started with two messages, one with our own Devin Tarr, who did a great job talking about the reliability of the Bible. And so if you have questions and you think, you, I've heard these TV shows and friends and other people say, there's a lot of mistakes in the Bible, you need to listen to Devin's message from the very beginning of this series, as well as Thomas Middlebrook, who's a professor up at Simpson University. We had him come down and show us overwhelmingly how archaeologically the archaeological evidence shows us overwhelmingly the accuracy of the Bible, and it's even true that no archaeological find has turned up that disproves the Bible. That's a very big deal because some people are just looking for something to disprove the Bible, and they still haven't found anything yet. So I hope that this series has been an encouragement to you. And then for the 12 weeks after that, we've been looking at the big picture of the Bible. So why have we been even doing that? Well, because we believe that when you are reading the Bible, it is really good to know what came before, what is coming after, how it all fits together, and also to know that there is this larger meta-narrative behind the individual stories you're reading. So there is that big meta-narrative of creation, fall, redemption and restoration. That is the backdrop of the whole story. And we have a couple of analogies that we use that we wanted to bring back to, to remind you that these can help you remember the big picture. So if I said to you, you are going to go here from Neighborhood Church and you are going to go to Bidwell Mansion, certainly I could give you the directions like on your phone, but there is just something about, maybe even, even, even clear if they could draw the little line on your phone. But what if we were able to zoom out and say, this is what it's going to look like. When you see this gold golf ball, you'll know you're, you've made it. There's something about zooming out gives you a better idea on where things are going. And another way we look at the big picture is like the picture on the box top of a jigsaw puzzle. So it's really helpful to have that picture when you're putting a puzzle together, because then you can see where the individual pieces go and how it all fits together. And when I build a puzzle with my family, everybody's looking for the corners, 
There's, there's something about knowing where those four corners go. And we look at the four covenants as like the four corners of a, of a jigsaw puzzle when you look at the Bible. They're the anchoring points of the story, and they point to God's character as a promise keeper. And so the four covenants, just to review, are that, that first covenant was with Abraham and God choosing one man to bless all nations through that one man. And then secondly, God not only has one man and one family, but then has his own nation, the nation of Israel, and establishes the law or the old covenant with a people group. Then it gets even more specific, and he promises to David, there is going to be a king, a Messiah, that will sit on the throne forever from your line, and I'm going to promise that king is coming. Not just, I'm going to just, not going to just bless through your nation, but this king as well. And then lastly, Jesus, the king, comes, and he establishes a new covenant with whoever follow him. And at the beginning of the series, we established some goals, and we wanted to bring those back today and look at those. Most importantly, we want you to be excited about reading the Bible. Like, oh, I just want to go home and read the Bible. That's like music to my ears when I've heard that in the last 12 weeks. Yes, me too. It makes it all worth it. <laughs> uh, we wanted to increase your ability to zoom out and zoom in. We keep using that terminology. And so when you are looking at an individual verse or an individual story or a book of the Bible, we want you to have in mind where it fits in the whole. And it was one of the reasons that we did the Lego project. So thank you. Many of you participated in that. But when you did that, you had to really know that story. You had to look at the details in order to create that scene. And that was great. You were taking ownership of that. But then throughout the series, we've been trying to show you where all of those scenes fit in the big story. And so right there in that project alone, you were zooming in and zooming out. We also believe that when you keep the big picture in mind, you are less likely to take things out of context when you're reading, and you're also less likely to listen to false teachers. We want to make sure that you remember that the Bible is one unified story that leads to Jesus. We've said that over and over and over, and we really believe it's true. We also want you to take ownership of this. We've been challenging you to be able to say the story of the Bible in about 10 minutes. And we believe that that is such a valuable tool for both evangelism and also discipleship, but also for your own purposes, because when you tell it, you do. You realize what you know and the parts that you're a little fuzzy on, and hopefully that encourages you to go and study those. And as a pastor, my heart has not been for you to get a head full of knowledge it's really important to know the pieces and parts and the, what comes first and the genres so that we correctly interpret the Bible. But most importantly, I want you to encounter the God who is at the center of this book, who inspires godly men and women to write this book, to leave it for us as a love letter and as a guide to our life. And so... If by doing this series, it allows you to connect with God more, that's been my heart. Not just for you to know more stuff. We can always look more stuff up. People say, well, how do all I know where that verse is? You know what I tell them? Google it. It's a wonderful thing to be able to take out your phone or your computer or your tablet and just look it up. Where is the verse that says this? Let Google do the work for you. Now, do I want you to memorize some verses so you remember them in the moment? Yes. But when you can't remember them, 
It's okay, look it up. That's what I do, and I'm the pastor. As it turns out, I have not memorized the entire Bible. Far from it. <laughs> Far from it. So as, as we go, I want to encourage you and challenge you that as you read the Bible, if you find one verse that stands out to you that you love, share it with three people that day. Hey, I read this verse. Let me read it to you. There is something about sharing God's word. Isaiah says God's word never returns void. In other words, it always produces fruit. When we share God's word in any form, it always produces fruit. So if you read a verse, you're like, I really like this verse. Like Stephanie got up here this morning and she said, I read this verse this morning and it meant a lot to me. It was really powerful when you heard that. So let's try that as we read the Bible. Even if you just read a very few verses a day, but you find something that really means something to you, share it with three people. I think that's important for me as a pastor as we move out of this series. So those were the goals. How did we try to reach these goals with you? Well, we did this over and over. Hopefully the repetition was helpful, but we looked at our Bible bookshelf. We looked at a Bible timeline, and then we were challenging you to some memory work in the genres. And a few weeks ago, uh, my daughter Bree did the genres. And then two weeks ago, Ben Feather came up and led us in the key kingdoms of the Bible. So we want you to memorize those too. And then last week, my mom, Linda Reese, and my good friend Barb Palmer came up. Well, they didn't come up. They were down here because of Barb on her, on her scooter. But uh, they did by memory the key events on the timeline. And we also were challenging you to know the books of the Bible, all with that goal of being able to say it in 10 minutes. Right. So I think we're ready for the bookshelf. This has been a really helpful tool, by the way. And don't worry, this bookshelf isn't going away. We are going to hold on to this thing because even as I move into a different series or a different book, we'll pull this out and remind you where it fits in the big picture. So what a blessing it is to have a prop like this. So you may notice we put all the books back on here. So you have your whole Bible here. And we affix the nameplates now because we want this prop to be used in the future. So we did the bookshelf to show that the Bible is a library of books. How many books are in it? 66. 66. Good. And how many are in the Old Testament? 39. 39. And how many are in the New Testament? 27. Good job. Okay, and then I taught you a couple of chants so that you could remember how many books were in the different genres. So we have been saying that the Bible is not organized chronologically. It is, it is organized by genre, which means type of literature, and the chants help us remember the books in these different genres. So say the Old Testament chant with me. 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. And the New Testament is... Four, Four, one, one 21-1. One. One. So, final review. You have the five books of the law. This is the Old Testament. You have the 12 books, these purple books here of history. You have five books of poetry, the pink ones here. All of these yellow are prophets, but you have five major prophets. And then you have 12 minor prophets. Then the cross indicates we're starting the New Testament now. So we have four books that are Gospels, one book of church history, that's Acts, 21, all those blue books of letters or epistles, and a final book down here, kind of hiding here, this green book here is a final book of prophecy, and that's Revelation. Great. 
Now, some of you have memorized these books in order, and there are songs and different ways to remember them, but we're just going to go through them genre by genre. I'm going to mention the genre, and then we're going to recite the books. And if you know the books and you can remember them, or you could read them off the screen even if you're a really good reader and read that small, um, but just to kind of test your memory and realize that even though we have apps, even though we have Bibles with tabs and things like that, it's good to know the order that these books go in, right? So we start with the law, and there's five books in the law, and they are Genesis, Genesis Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Followed by the history books, which are purple here on our um, bookshelf. And it starts with Joshua, Joshua Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, then Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. We have five books of poetry. They start with Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Then we have the major prophets. There's five of them. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. And here's where it gets tricky. These are the minor prophets. There are 12 of them. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, then Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. We move to the New Testament, and we start with the four Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, followed by one church history book called Acts. Then 21 letters. Are you ready? So it starts with Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, Jude, and finally, Revelation. You did it. Good job. Way to go. So... Whether you come up with a corny song or whatnot, it is a good thing to know the books of the Bible in order. It doesn't seem like it would be important, but I really do think it's important as we study this great book that we base our faith on. And so I think anything we base our life and our faith on, it's, it's a really important thing to know. So thank you for working on that. Now we've got some friends coming up to help us create a timeline. We've been creating a timeline throughout this series over and over using frequency and repetition so that you will remember that, well, let's say Moses comes before Joshua, regardless of whether Joshua looks like um, Veronica today. So we'll start way over there with the beginning of the world and creation. Okay, so they're still getting in place. For those of you down there, Hunter will be right there to, to show you. <laughs> okay, we have been doing this over and over and over again so that you will get it. And so last week I had, you know, Barb and my mom up here who modeled uh, that they can do it by memory, but I'm going to be quizzing you today. So when we go by each one, I want you to tell me what it is and see if you're getting it. So we start in 4000 BC with what? Creation. What does the apple represent? 
Yeah, Adam and Eve, the fall, right? So we know that Adam and Eve, if you do all the math with the generations, it's about 4,000 BC, and then the world was created sometime before then. And the apple, of course, was their disobedience to God and their fall into sin is what that represents. Then we have 1,900 years of time that go by, and we get to 2,100 BC. Who is this? Abraham, good job, the, that first covenant that Andrew mentioned. Then there are these 400 years where the people are enslaved down in Egypt, waiting for a deliverer, and the Lord raises up Moses, symbolized by the two tablets here, because Moses was given the Ten Commandments, the Old Covenant. This, oh, this is in the year 1440 BC. Just 40 years later, in 1400 BC, we have... Joshua. All right. The sword there because Joshua was the one that led the Israelites in the conquest of the promised land. Then in 1000 BC, we have King David. Very good. He was one of the kings that ruled over the United Kingdom. In 722 BC, what happens? Who falls? You read the sign, right? Israel falls. Who do they fall to? Hey, I heard it. Assyria. Awesome. Then in 586 BC, who falls? To who? To whom? Babylon. Great. And also what happens? The temple is destroyed. Then you have that 70-year prophecy, right, where they're going to be in captivity. And then under King Cyrus, he allows them to return and do what? Rebuild the temple in 516 BC. In 400 BC, what happens? The Old Testament is completed. The close of the Old Testament. Very good. And then you have the 400 years of what are known as those years of silence because no prophet was speaking. And that 400 years, the Israelites are waiting for that Messiah, waiting for that deliverer. And it reminds us of those 400 years back there, way back at the beginning, when the, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. Then in the year zero, what happens? Jesus is born. And he is that hinge point on our timeline with BC and AD. So we're moving into AD. So now in AD 30, what happens? crucifixion and the resurrection, right? And just 50 days later is what? Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church. And then in AD 70, what happens again? Temple is destroyed, this time by the Romans. And then in AD 95, two things. You have this. What is the final book that is written? Because it is saying what is to come, Revelation, and the New Testament is completed and closed. <laughs> Good job. Then you have another 1900-year time period, just like you did at the beginning, and you are in the year 80, 2000, with a phone representing, what is this? Nowadays, modern day. Very good. Okay, thank you, everyone. You guys can go. <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone who came up here one time or several times to help us put the timeline on. So I liked, I liked the uh, Lion King uh, reference with Jesus there. <laughs> Did you all catch that? Got to make sure you're watching, right? So 
with all of these different memory pieces that we've been challenging you to, now if once you start having those, you can start putting them together to create an even fuller picture of this big picture. And so we have a timeline here that Andrew created a, a while ago that shows all of those events. So you guys can look at that on our website if you want that to, to do the memory work. But I wanted to go over one other final piece. We did the books of the Bible. We did the genres. We did the timeline. The other piece I had asked you to do were the kingdoms. So the key kingdoms in the story is you look at the land of Canaan, which becomes Israel. It also divides in the story, right, to northern Israel and southern Judah, but it's all without one piece of land. The other key kingdoms we talked about were Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And so knowing those, now we can start putting them together. So you can see here on this slide, thank you to Andrew, who spent a lot of time this week with all of these details, but you can see now where those kingdoms fall on our timeline. You can also do this with the genres. And so he did a slide with that as well. You can do the next, yep, there it is. And so these are all helpful as you start putting these together and telling that 10-minute story of the Bible. And so you'll, you'll be hearing that a little bit later on, see how some of these pieces are, are being used together. And then Andrew was really ambitious and put them all together. So we have one where you have all the kingdoms and all the genres. And we know we aren't giving you a lot of time to look at that. But yes, if you feel like you know those memory pieces, start looking at this. We will have those on our website. Yep. You are also ready, if you know those main events on the timeline, to look at a more detailed timeline. And this one was so detailed, we actually had to do two different slides here. Do, I know it's tiny writing. I don't expect you to be reading this right now. But you are ready for that if you know those main events. And it's time to go and read all the details and what is going on in the gaps between those main events that, that um, I've taught you. And it probably isn't as intimidating now if you know those main events. So that will also be on our website if you want to take a look at that. We're hoping that you take ownership for this. This is not just somebody up front at church that knows this stuff on your behalf, but you actually begin learning this, and you don't learn it all in one sitting, and you can't, you, you don't remember all of it. There's going to be pieces that you forget. There's things that I was like, oh, that's right, and I went to seminary. So this book of the, this Bible is huge. There's a lot there, but we do want you to take ownership, and um, we want you, we challenge you early in the series that we want to get to a place where, especially if you're, let's say, on the intermediate side or the advanced side, you're a Sunday school graduate, as I would call you, that maybe you would get to a place where you could share the story of the Bible in 10 minutes. Now, I had the staff do this in staff meeting this week. They all paired up and they shared the Bible in 10 minutes. Um, some did really well. Others struggled a little bit. And there's a few reasons why, because there's a lot to cover. And then at the same time, you have to, you have to really internalize what each of these things actually mean. They're not just things on a screen that Andrew put up there. But they actually are really meaningful. That's why we're asking you to remember them. And this is actually a tool for sharing your faith. Because people largely don't know what the Bible says. And they might say, well, I don't know what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? If they asked you that question, what would you say to them? So it's a tool as you share your faith, but also as you help others grow in their faith. So both evangelism and discipleship. And, and if you can tell the story of the Bible in 10 minutes and you don't trip up, then great, but probably you're going to 
fall down somewhere along the line. And that's going to give you a hint. I need to go back and study that again. And I got a little hole in my, inf- my information there. So we found this week with the staff that focusing on a theme as you talk about each of the events is really helpful. That theme that weaves things through. The Bible is one story, one unified story that leads to Jesus. So Jesus should be a part of the theme. But Jesus, just Jesus alone, is not enough. There's got to be a reason for these things leading up to Jesus and then subsequent to him as well. And so um, as we talked about, well, what would it look like for a volunteer to come up and share the story of the Bible in 10 minutes? I have someone to do it. Hunter, come on up here. Hunter was playing drums today. He did a great job. And uh, Hunter, stand right here. So um, the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted Hunter to do this is, is because he actually has done this in real life with someone who asked him the question. It's one thing to have an exercise. Oh, that's really nice, Pastor Boy, that you did that at church. But this was a real thing. Actually, one of your friends asked you the question, what does the Bible really say, Right. I mean, yeah, that, that actually happen happened, and so you shared, and you actually didn't even share verbally. You shared how was it yeah, on Instagram? It was or something over like social that? media, yeah. Yeah, so she wild, uh, wild circumstance, yeah. <laughs> but Hunter had to know it in order to authentically share it, and you have spent the time to learn it. So, are you ready? We're gonna sure. like push our timer for ten minutes, and <laughs> and we're gonna go sit down and and watch. And I'm gonna pull the pastor and go over. You could do it. You could do it. <laughs> you could do it. Go, Hunter, go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, like they were saying, it's important to know all this so that you can uh, have kind of that overall view to know where things fit in. I found that super helpful when somebody says, oh, it's from this book of the Bible. Then I'm like, oh, I know where that fits in. So that's cool. Um, really enjoyable. And like they said, having a theme is really important. To me, something that's really stuck out is how, G- how God always wants to have a relationship with us at every point in the Bible. And it looks different in different circumstances, as we'll go over. But I find that always to be a prevalent factor. So if we start over in the beginning, we see we get introduced to this character, God, and we we don't know much about him. We know that he's all-powerful as he creates the world as we know it. And he specifically creates this thing called man. He made it in his own image, and he said it was very good, good, very good, um, different than all the other parts of creation, which is really cool. And we see us dwelling in perfect harmony in the garden with God initially. Everything is perfect, except... God knew that in order for us to love him, love isn't really a thing without a choice. We have to have the choice to love him in the first place. And so he gives us an opportunity to, if we choose, go and define good and evil on our own, which unfortunately, through the deception of the serpent, that does happen. Everybody knows about the fall of man. And we do begin defining good and evil on our own. And God says, that's okay, but you can no longer dwell in perfect harmony with me. You guys are going to be amongst the earth, working and not, no longer in perfect harmony. But he still wants to redeem them, still wants to have a relationship, which is a really cool story, how we see it all play out. So later on, after Adam and Eve um, begin um, multiplying, we see tons of, tons of people spread out across the earth. We eventually see Noah come up. Um, he's a particularly, I guess, righteous person amongst very, very hard generation that is not following God. God says, I want, I'm going to send in this flood, actually, and you're going to be the only person who trusts me in that and build this ark to survive your family and some animals. And it's really important to know the story because through Noah's line, actually, we see Abraham come up those 1,900 years later. And when we see Abraham come up, kind of a similar situation. There are a lot of, there's a lot of hard things going on in the world. Not a lot of people are recognizing God's 
um, really what God's doing there. And God says, you know what, Abraham, you've been particularly righteous. I want to make this covenant with you. I'm going to tell you that I want to have a specific people who are dedicated to me, who follow me, the Israelites, and I want you to be the father of those people. And that's exactly what happens. However, um, Abraham says, I'm old. I don't have a son. How is this going to happen? And God says, trust me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a son. And of course, they don't trust him. They end up taking matters into their own hands with, a sla- with Sarah's slave. It's this whole deal. But eventually, of course, God is. God makes good on his promise. He gives them that son, Isaac. And it's important because Abraham gives birth to Isaac, who then gives birth to Jacob. And we know those three people as the patriarchs. And then through Jacob, actually Jacob has his 12 sons. I think you all know the story of Joseph. And it's important to note that because those 12 become the tribes of Israel. And um, not exactly. Joseph gets a double blessing as two sons end up getting their own tribes and Levites become the priestly order. So it's not exact. But anyways, it's important that God is making good on Abraham's promise. And he is is, um, entering into the specific relationship with these Israelite people. As we see, um, as we see later on, because Joseph is where kind of the uh, land of Egypt gets introduced, and we see much later down the line, the Israelites get enslaved in Egypt. The Pharaoh uh, wants to oppress them, and that does happen for 400 or so years until we see God bring up Moses. He rises up Moses, who is a leader, who's going to be God's mouthpiece to Pharaoh to say, "Let my people go." And of course, Pharaoh is like, "That sounds like the worst deal ever for me." And so it takes some um, takes some. Um, uh, wrath of God, um, which Pharaoh was fighting a losing battle there to show that he needed to let the people go, which he does, but he kind of doesn't because then the Egyptians chase after them. Thankfully, God's mercy lets the Israelites pass through and the Egyptians get closed behind. A wonderful story. But then we see the Israelites left in this wilderness and Moses is has there to lead them, which is great, but it's, it's a hard time for the people. But some very important things happen there in the wilderness. We see Moses go up to Mount Sinai and that's where he gets the Ten Commandments. God says, I want to give you the specific law that you people are going to be set apart by. If you, and I want you guys to follow this, become righteous people and following these Ten Commandments. And that's what Moses attempts to do with the people. It doesn't go perfectly, but they still try to do that. And also you see the tabernacle get introduced here, right? We see the tabernacle come in because that is where um, God's presence is meant to dwell among the Israelite people, where the priests get to go in and intervene with God. And so, unfortunately, Moses does do a lot of good, but he also has one major sin that he commits. God says, you're not going to go into that promised land, but you will pick somebody who will. And so Moses appoints Joshua to lead the people into the next period, which is conquest. That's where, the people, that's where Joshua leads the people to go and conquest the land of the Canaanites, which is God's promised land for the Israelite people. He said, this is going to be your land, and that's what happens. They drive out the other nations. They end up settling there all the 12 tribes. And right then, it kind of raises this question of what kind of government are we going to have? Because we have all these people who are finally settled down, not wandering, not slaves. Um, and we actually see the Torah, the Ten Commandments, <laughs> expand to like 615 laws. 613 laws. There you go. And so they raise up these judges to try and help the people, guide them, and say, this is what you guys should do in following these laws. Unfortunately, they realize that judges are flawed people themselves. In fact, really flawed. There are lots of, lots of good lessons to be learned there. 
but we see the judges end up kind of falling and the people say, okay, we look to these other nations and we see that they have kings. That's what we want, which is sad because they're really rejecting God as their true king, but God still lets them have it. He says, okay, if you want to appoint a king, you can do that. There are going to be some lessons to be learned here as we see through, the, through Saul being king and then David becomes the second king. It's important because David, specifically through David, God makes a covenant. He says, David, through your line, there's going to be somebody who's going to redeem all of creation, which is what happens, of course, through Jesus later on. And then we also see Solomon be the final king. Solomon get brought up. And Solomon specifically, he asked for wisdom in the beginning of his life, um, which was a wonderful choice. And he ends up writing tons of wisdom literature. So did David. But we see Solomon at the end of his life get, get to a great fall, mainly through all of the um, pagan wives that he had. And so God says, you're not following me like I want to anymore. So this was when the United Kingdom of Israel was happening. And he said, through your sons, the kingdom is going to be divided. And that's what happens. We see the divided kingdom. It goes into northern Israel and then the southern kingdom of Judah. And the northern kingdom of Israel has their own kings. Their own kings are pretty bad. They're not following what God wants at all. So they fall to Assyria first, pretty shortly after their reign. And then during that time, we see Babylon come to power. Babylon conquers Assyria and in turn the northern kingdom. And the Babylon turns their eyes to Judah and conquers Judah. And which is really a sad time because that, during Solomon's reign, they built a temple there in Judah and that temple was destroyed during Babylon's conquest. So it's a hard time for the people. They're wondering, why has God forsaken us? But really, they chose this stuff on themselves. But during this period, you see tons of prophets coming up, telling of the time when they will be ultimately redeemed, The people will be redeemed by the Savior. Unfortunately, though, they're, tell they're not necessarily saying that the suffering is going to stop. They're still going to be in other nations, but a Redeemer will come. And during, Persia ends up conquering Babylon, and we see during the reign of King Cyprus that the people are allowed to return to Judah to rebuild that temple, which is a very happy time. And then the prophets kind of start dying out around, uh, or the prophets' messages start dying out around uh, BC 400, which is where we see the Old Testament close. And people are left wondering for generations, is this person actually going to come? That's called the intertestament period here in 400 BC. We, we see a lot of changes with nations. Greece ends up conquering Persia and all the Israelites who had kind of broken off. And then that ends up turning into Rome many years later, which sets the stage for Jesus. With Christmas time, I hope all of you know the story of Jesus' birth. But we see here that God ultimately, he wanted to have a personal relationship with everybody through Jesus' life, interacting with them in miraculous ways and teaching them lessons. And here through Jesus' life, we ultimately see God's love for us and how he is willing to sacrifice, make that sacrifice. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He, even though he tries to teach these people these things, they end up rejecting him, saying, you're blasphemous and many other things. And so they end up crucifying Jesus. But this was God's ultimate plan in redeeming creation by saying, Jesus has died and he's taken that sin for you. And now, and now you can live through him, and which is really amazing. And also, Jesus wanted to make this new covenant with us, saying that we need you to love God, love, love God, the Lord your God, with all your heart and soul and strength, first and foremost. But we also want you, um, God wants you to love your neighbor as Jesus loved you. That is the new covenant that we now live in. And you're shaking your head. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyways, so, and that sets the stage for the time of the church. We see now after the four gospels are written, we see Acts, which is the account of the churches coming up, 
sprouting up mainly through the works of Peter and Paul as well. We see these churches start to sprout out as Matthew um, wrote down the words of Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations. That's kind of the period that begins to form. And then once these churches start forming, it kind of raises the questions of how are these churches doing, which is what really the entire rest of the New Testament addresses through the letters mainly written by Paul. Some other people wrote those letters, but we see them write to the churches mainly on the issue of Israelites, now Gentiles, are being invited into God's kingdom because after all, God wants to have a relationship with all of us. But there is some conflict because Jews don't necessarily have the same customs as Gentiles don't have same customs, and there's a lot of conflict and rivalry over traditions and things like that. And so Paul writes mainly on that account of be a unified people who, both, who all have a relationship with God. Um, so that's mainly what the letters are about. And then finally, um, we see a sad event happen in AD 70 where the, the, the temple falls. Actually, that was rebuilt by in Judah those many years ago, which is a very sad instance. But an event that I miss is that Pentecost happened 50 days after Jesus's crucifixion, which is where the Holy Spirit came onto us. And so that temple being destroyed, while it was really sad, it was symbolic in saying that now the temple of God lives in us. And then the final event in AD 70 is, AD 95, is when the New Testament closes with the book of Revelation, inspired by John, which is saying that there's actually going to be a time when Jesus is going to come back, and we are going to forever live in perfect harmony with him, just like in the beginning, which is a really cool way to close it out and show that God always wants to have a relationship with us. But as we live in the period of the church, and we are attempting to be good disciples ourselves and go make disciples of all nations, it's important to know how God does want to have a relationship with us. And I think part of that is in knowing this word, this overall story. But also, I hope in personal accounts, you guys have seen that. And really, that's what I believe the Bible is all about. So. <laughs> Eleven minutes and fifteen seconds. Very well done. And and he was talking really fast, right? He caught, he covered. And, 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 and part of it's interesting too because you're so tempted to get into details, right? You're like, oh my gosh, let me tell you about. Oh wait. If I'm going to do this in 10 minutes, but in real life, there's no timer, right? If you're talking to your friend, you can linger on something and, um, and, and make a bigger deal of, of different Yeah, the 10 pieces. minutes is just arbitrary. It's just something I yeah. came up with. I thought, hey, yep. if we're having a conversation with someone, uh, 10 minutes seems like a, a normal pet. You can take your time or shorten it if you yeah. need to, too. So yeah. I just wanted to... Um, while Hunter was up here, say a big thank you, especially to my boys. Um, they were such, so Jason Smith, my husband, and Hunter Smith, my son, they, um, they've been such a huge support to me throughout this whole series, so I just wanted to give them yes. a big thank you Thanks, publicly. <laughs> they yep. also were a big behind the scenes, so you probably saw them moving the bookshelf, and they were the ones recruiting people for the timeline and bringing them up, and couldn't have done it without you, so thank you. And so, you're welcome. You did a great job. Thank you. Good job. Good job, Hunter. Way <laughs> to really go, buddy. Really proud of you. <laughs> and then I also wanted to give a big thank you to all of you who were involved in, in this series. So when we were coming up with the title, and it was the big picture, experiencing the whole story of the Bible. And that was a key word for us, was experiencing, because we wanted you to be engaged in this and to actually be experiencing it yourself. And so hopefully you have felt like that. So thank you if you created a Lego project, or if you helped with that bookshelf and making those books, or if you came up and were a part of the timeline. 
And then some of you also did things like reciting things or teaching or the memory challenges. And so thank you so much for everyone that was involved. And I also wanted to give just a big shout out to the Bible Project because that was a big part of our series as well. And we really appreciate all of their videos. Yeah, I think it goes without saying that we want you to be reading your Bible. That is the next step on this whole thing. Not just to know about the Bible, but to actually be reading it and experiencing it on a daily basis. And so part of that is going to be on you to make time, to set aside some time to encounter God's Word. It doesn't have to be a lot of time, but regularly reading and studying and you could, it could be part of your New Year's resolution as we come up on New Year's goals, if you will. Um, if you need a Bible, we have Bibles in the lobby. You can just grab one, and we would love for you to have that. If you're trying to figure out where do I start reading the Bible, great question. My recommendation is you start with the book of Luke, which is going to start you with the Jesus story and coming to earth and the Christmas story, which is perfectly timed right now to start reading. And it'll take you through Jesus' life and his death, resurrection. And then you can start reading the book of Acts. And I believe that Luke wrote both of these books. And it's like almost a seamless transition right into Acts and you kind of get volume two of what happens after Jesus, as Jesus ascends into heaven, how does the new covenant get played out in this new thing called the church, which are Jesus' followers? And we see that happening through the book of Acts. And if you know the book of Acts, then you know most of the history that the letters all refer to as well. So it gives you that, that background. Um, for those of you who have the YouVersion app, there is a Bible project reading, Bible reading plan that as you go, it will show you different videos along the way to help you understand what you're, you're, you're looking at. We highly recommend that. And I also would say that if you start reading a new book of the Bible, or even if you're listening to the Bible audio-wise with something like the Dwell app or version or other things, it's helpful to push stop, go to the Bible Project, just watch their overview video. Usually they're like five to eight minutes long, and it gives you the themes and the overall context of the book, helping you understand it better so that when you either listen to it or read it or study it, you, you can uh, understand that context better. Also, if you were excited about this series, I would love to know. And I've been praying very specifically that the Lord would be raising up people in all generations who have a passion and a love for his word and who could potentially partner with me uh, in whatever the Lord has for this after this and moving forward. So please, if you are feeling like, yeah, that was me, I, I really feel, feel called to that. I would love you to let me know. So... I just want you to unwrap this great gift that we have been given that is so precious and so amazing. And it doesn't have to be scary. Sure, it's long, but this is meant for us to study every day of our life until we're off the planet. We're not designed to know every single bit and part. That's what's so beautiful about it as God continues to unwrap this for us every time we read it. And because our circumstances change, there are parts of the Bible that have become much more precious to me as I've gotten older that I didn't, I didn't see the need for, and now I see as, as being very, very critical to my development as a Jesus follower and my growth. And so um, I do want to 
create expectation in you because after the first of the year, on the 15th of January, we're going to begin doing a series on inductive Bible study. And we're going to do it right here. And we're going to teach you how to study the Bible. We're going to hand you all a clipboard with a passage printed out that you can write and draw on. You can doodle on. You can draw pictures on. If you listen better that way, you'll, we will give you the paper. Um, but we're going to learn how to study together. So if you go, I don't know how to study the Bible. Good news. We're going to teach you. And my friends from InterVarsity are going to help um, me work you through this process if they can teach college freshmen how to study the Bible and see God, what, the, what, what God's saying, they certainly, we can, we can certainly teach you this method. And so I'm really excited about that. I want to say thank you to Tammy Smith for all the work that she has done on this series. Very few people understand what it's like to try to prepare week after week after week. And now she knows because she's done it. Um, but there's been an incredible amount of detail and focus and prayer. You need to understand there's prayer teams that have been praying for you as, you've been, as we've been doing this series together. Um, and, and this has been a labor of love for her. And it's certainly been fun for me to get to uh, help her learn how to do something she's never done before. And that is preach. And so I would say this, one of the things Tammy loves are words. It's one of her love languages. So at the end of the service today, and we are purposely ending early for you. Yes! <laughs> Finally. I'm so proud of us right now. Ending right on time. Um, but it gives you a few minutes. If, you, if there's been something in this series that has meant something to you, will you just please come down and tell her really quick? You don't have to have a long conversation. You don't have to she doesn't even need to say anything to you. Just come down and say, this is what I got. This is what this meant to me. And so many of you have said a few things here and there to me, but I really want her to hear this. You would be surprised at how little feedback we get as people on this stage. It's like crickets sometimes. So as a gift to her, to reward her for her faithfulness, would you just please do that? I just assume there'll be a long receiving line right here, and Tammy will stand right here, all right? So stand, if you would. I want to pray for us. Uh, prayer folks, if you'd come forward, we want to, um, we always, at the end of every single service, we want to give you an opportunity to be prayed for by someone else who will listen to you, love you, speak words over you, be listening to what the Holy Spirit says and communicate those things to you. We believe that God is the God who has all the resources we need, whether it's physical healing, uh, resources, whatever it is, he's got it for you, and he can answer those prayers. And so, Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are at the center of this Bible that we love. I do pray that you would cause us to rise up and find you at the center of our life. Thank you for Hunter and how he shared the good news of your gospel just now. Thank you for Tammy and her efforts. I pray that you'd bless her richly for her gifts of service and worship to you. And God, I, I thank you for this family. At this Christmas time, would you just bring us to a place of such tenderness at your throne in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs>